Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. In the last hour, I was talking about Ibram X. Kendi. And I know a lot of people have been taking uh, a little bit of uh, joy, maybe not joy, maybe just a little bit of glee in the, uh, the layoffs over at race hustler Ibram X. Kendi's Center for Anti-Racist Research, or the CAFAR, C-F-A-R, Center for Anti-Racist Research. They had gotten millions of dollars in funding, grants and such, from your usual leftist organizations that fund these types of operations, and um, they have not produced anything except a couple of op-eds the projects that they had touted when they were, you know, trying to score the moolah, they uh, they have not produced. And so there are a lot of people that are like, uh, hmm, good, right? Good, because Kendi is obnoxious and a coward. Oh, and by the way, not an intellectual. He's not. He's not an intellectual. And that's not me saying that. I mean, it is me saying it right now. True. But, no, that's, that's what actual intellectuals, black intellectuals, say about Kendi. That his, his entire, quote-unquote, theory, all of this stuff on anti-racism, it's all just garbage. And there was a piece over at the um, New York Times by Dr. Tyler Austin Harper who's an assistant professor at Bates College. And uh, he wrote a piece, sorry, this is at the Washington Post. He wrote a piece at the Washington Post. And in it, he says, as one of a number of left-wing commentators who have been critical of mainstream anti-racism and who believes the movement is little more than self-help for white people that runs interference for corporations and wealthy universities... I have watched the Kendi crisis unfold with a touch of schadenfreude. Is that how you say that? Schadenfreude? 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 Yet through this public reckoning, oh sorry, yet though this public reckoning feels long overdue, he says, I can't help but also have a smidgen of empathy for the embattled anti-racism guru. The prospect of Kendi's unraveling is not, or at least is not only, the story of a huckster who was happy to cash in on America's racial trauma, slapping his name on strange children's books, including Anti-Racist Baby, actual book title, and Goodnight Racism, whilst raking in hundreds of dollars a minute to give short talks at American universities. Instead, the Kendi affair is yet another example of an age-old truism. White American elites on both sides of the political spectrum, academics, publishers, members of the media, corporate leaders, they're always waiting in the wings to turn a shiny new black intellectual into a mouthpiece for their political agenda. 
He says, in my view, the real damage that Kendi's philosophy has wrought on American culture is in the way that he turned words like racism and white supremacy into banal, everyday terms like any others. Does that sound familiar? We've been saying this for years, right? That the overuse of these words to label just like, you're a Nazi, everything I hate is racist, you know? You dilute the meaning of the word. And eventually, it, it, it has no heft to it. The charge doesn't matter. You, you, you throw it out at so many people that people then say, oh, that's just Kendi crying wolf again. Once reserved for the gravest of racial trespasses, thanks to the influence of Kendi and other charlatans like Robin D'Angelo, which, by the way, I saw somebody ask this the other day, and I think it's true. I think she's the last one standing from that group, right? The whole anti-racist, white privilege, white fragility. That was her book, the white fragility deal. Um, I think she's the last one. Like the Black Lives Matter leaders, like their whole organization's kind of gotten exposed for the grift that it was. Now, Kendi's organization's collapsed. So that leaves Robin D'Angelo. A white woman. I'm sure there's nothing to it. I'm sure it's just coincidence. But once reserved for the gravest of racial trespasses, racism is now routinely employed to describe anything from workplace microaggressions to terrorist attacks. The march on Charlottesville was white supremacy, but so too is asking black people to show up to Zoom meetings on time. <laughs> I wonder, I do wonder, maybe that's why Kendi's organization failed. Right? Do you remember the list of all the things that were racist and white supremacist? Do you remember all of those things? And one of them was punctuality. Remember? And I wonder, did they, yeah, like were they being anti-racist in their own workplace? And if so, is that what caused them to fail? Now that Kendi's career seems to be unraveling, his critics have come to take their pound of flesh. And after the deluge of self-help hokum he has produced since George Floyd's murder, not to mention the corporate water-carrying his ideas have facilitated, I don't begrudge them, the critics. But I also think the blame lies not just with Kendi, but with the rich donors, CEOs, and universities that were eager to purchase their own absolution by bulk buying anti-racist indulgences. I think this guy listens to my show. That's the only thing. I mean, it's the only obvious, most plausible explanation. I have equated this to the, to the buying of indulgences. And for folks who don't know, long, long time ago, I can still remember the music used to make me smile, but also the Catholic church would uh, also uh, behave pretty poorly, pretty poorly, because it was essentially a government. And so they would uh, they would take your confessions and such, but then they would also sell indulgences, which was like your get-into-heaven-free card. So, like, you did some really bad stuff, they'd be like, okay, well, here's an indulgence. Just, you know, carry this with you to the afterlife or whatever. Um, there, is a, there is a religious aspect to this ideology, I've heard it described as a religion, and it does bear a lot of those similarities, including this kind of uh, indulgence buying. And that's what corporations would do. That's what the ESG stuff is about, right? You check the box. 
I would say, you know, you put the smear of blood over your your doorway so the, the mob passes you by or the spirit passes you by, right? Even if you agree Kendi was selling out, ultimately his story is about the people who were buying what he was selling. That ain't right. If if he's out there pitching this garbage and there's no demand for it, he doesn't get rich. But he did. Because there's a demand for it. Boston University, they demanded it. They wanted what he was selling. Media, they wanted what he was selling. They made him a household name. Corporations that offered him outrageous sums of money to share his quote-unquote wisdom. Or how about a little closer to home? Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools, right? Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools, they used his book for their book club reading for their managers, all of the, or the administrators, all of their, the middle management and up, and they're all doing a book club or whatever. And after they read his book, it took them a year, which is kind of outrageous. Like one book in a year, really? And it's that book? Anyway, they spent a year on that guy's book, and then they brought him in, spending tens of thousands of dollars for like a 20-minute Zoom chat where, where they asked him softball questions about how awesome he is. It's really the other side of the equation that this liberal professor wants to uh, shed light on. And that's all fine and good, right? Were the buyers buying when they, what were they buying when they bought into this product? When they bought into Ibram X. Kendi, what were they buying? That's what this professor's asking. And they're buying absolution, protection. I guess in that regards, it's more like the mafia or organized crime or something where you got to pay the protection in order to, you know, not be attacked. I'm one of the good guys. Look, I gave I gave your representative a whole lot of money. They, he came into Robin D'Angelo came and taught us how not to be racist. By the way, has there ever been a corporation that went through one of these types of trainings that turned out less racist afterwards? Because it seems to me like if you identified racism in your organization, you probably should just fire the racists, right? Just fire the racists so there's no more races, uh, racists at the company or uh, institution. But no, in fact, Harvard, their own research found that when you go through those programs, it actually makes the workplace more volatile, not less. Harvard found that. Let's go over here to the phone lines and talk with Cheryl. Hello, Cheryl. Welcome to the show. Cheryl, yo, Cheryl, oh no, maybe she's on mute, did she mute herself, is this a phone line problem, I don't know, maybe she's, she might be in the drive-thru, I mean it's lunchtime, maybe hit the drive-thru, put us on, on mute, put us on hold or something while she's putting in the order, I don't know, I'm going to put her back on hold, because you know I love talking to Cheryl, um, yeah, it's so just like, see if you can touch base, with, uh, pick it up there at Bernie and see if she's still around or if not. But otherwise, I'll be moving along here. Uh, Ibram X. Kendi, is he a racist? He's the anti-racist guy, but his own definition is uh, a ra- of a racist policy is any measure that produces or sustains racial inequity. And the closing of his center for anti-racist research the the firing of the of half of the staffers the other day that would lead to more or at least sustained 
racial inequity, would it not? Yeah. So, seems to me like he's enacting some some racist policy. Absolutely. Charles C.W. Cook over at National Review, uh, he says, by taking millions of dollars designated for the fight against racism and doing nothing useful with it, does this not describe Kendi? It absolutely does. It's so obvious a grift that even New York Times readers have been dragging a columnist, Michelle Goldberg, for trying to uh, make some other explanation for what's going on there. Which is, when, you, when you've lost the New York Times readers, yeah. Okay, we got Cheryl back. Is she actually here? Hello, Cheryl, can you hear me now? Your show is so boring today. What are you doing? Talk about something interesting. God. God you want me to talk about God? I did. Cheryl, I did. Wait, wait. Hang on a second. If, if what I'm talking about is so boring, why did it prompt you to call? Because there was a cute guy that called, and he sounded so intelligent. I just wanted to know if he's single. Oh, the caller Snake? I don't know. I don't check. Are you single? Yes. Okay. Do you want, you want to, if you want to hold on the line, I'll get uh, no! your. <laughs> what? I'll get it. I'll get your information. I'll try to pass no, it along. No, 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 no. The guy that called in and said, "What are you teaching our kids? If they can't lose and be a good loser, what are you teaching them?" He he cannot be a Republican. Why? He can't be a Republican because I have not heard a Republican talk like that. So Do okay. Do you know of any? Huh? I know there's yeah. some out there. I was about to lose faith. I know there's some out there, but I just don't hear them calling your show. Oh, no. they. I've got an email, actually. Hang on. i got another another person here that sent me an email. Uh, this is Brian. Uh, he says, uh, Snake is so right about Trump. I am so sick of him. I can't stand it. He's going to get the nomination, and the Democrats are going to pull, uh, I, don't, I don't know, with the greasy head gruesome noose. Oh, greasy head gruesome noose out of the hat and beat him like a snare drum. Yeah. So th- no, they're... No, they're they're out there, huh? Yeah, what? They're, they're out there, but it's not enough of them out there. No, it's so think of it this way, yeah. right? You've got what a field of, I mean, really, legitimately, how many candidates on the Republican side are there right now? There's like you know six, maybe, but Trump's yeah. got fifty percent of that support, and then that means me the other half supports somebody other than Trump. You want me to tell you the truth? What I feel? Yeah, I sure. I feel that if the Republicans will get a really good candidate. Mm-hmm. They could beat Joe Biden. Oh, I, that's what a lot of Republicans feel. The problem is they can't get any of those candidates through their primary. They can't get rid of the big cojones because he won't step out of the way. Well, neither will Joe Biden. Yeah, but I'm just telling you from your end. I mean, I know. I'm just telling you from your end. What's wrong with that? I know, I know. I know. But I'm just telling you, though, I, I, I'm in line with a lot of Republican issues. Mm-hmm. For example, girls playing on boys' teams. I don't believe that kids should be, um, what do you say? Transitioned? Yeah, I mean, not transitioned, just be to be oh, approached uh, and yeah, yeah, groomed, yeah. groomed, the word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah, groomed, yeah, yeah. I don't believe that kids should be groomed. I have a lot of, I believe that people should work for a living. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I believe in a lot of issues that Republicans have, but they have so many crazies in their party, I can't, I can't go along with it. So, because so, I mean, when you start threatening our generals, you start threatening our people, our judges, you start threatening, I mean, and then you still say, I'm going to support this guy. 
What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. I mean, really, if they would just calm the H down and put, get a guy, a decent Republican, they could beat Joe Biden. So, Cheryl, the, uh, I have to go to news. Can, do you want to stay on hold and I'll bring oh, you yeah, back? Sure. Okay, great. Okay. Great. All right. Hang on. All right. I'm going to put you on hold. I'll bring you back after the news because I'm about to blow your mind. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? All right. I put Cheryl on hold before the uh, news break because we had some phone issues Then I had to go to the news. So I wanted to bring her back and be fair with the time here. So uh, Cheryl is back. By the way, quick question. So our, is it is it Fridays? Is that your day to call me? I notice like I, I get yes, your. Yes, okay. Yes. All right. I was right. I thought so. I was just checking. <laughs> it's my downtime Friday. Cool. Listen, uh, what were you going to blow my mind with? All right. Here you go. You ready? Here we go. Yeah. I did not vote for Donald Trump either time. Okay. What? I, I I thought that was, I thought I was going to get a reaction out of that. Come on. That's why you and I could talk because if you were one of the crazies, I don't think we could even have a conversation. Cause, well, because they think that you know they think that the election was stolen and he did this and he did that. I mean, come on. I mean, Trump lost. I mean, they they went back, they checked everything out, and they couldn't come up with enough to say you know that he won. So he's he's really using people. To his advantage, the weak people. And, Lord, what is Kevin McCarthy doing? He he is such a weak man. I mean, he got that. He took him 15 tries to get that position, and he can't even stand up and, and, and say what he feels. Speaking of Kevin McCarthy, I just realized we were supposed to be chatting with uh, Congressman Patrick McHenry right now, but I don't know why he, did, he isn't called. Be on the lookout for that call. Yeah, maybe there's yeah, a problem I mean, with our phone lines. Well, I was going to ask, I was going to ask uh, Congressman McHenry about that about McCarthy, but uh, let, let, let me keep it on keep it on Trump for the moment here because okay. you, you you mentioned this term Trump twice. Trump you called them the crazies. Crazy. No, hang on, you called them crazies. Let These me are tell you this. Oh, oh, hang, hang on, hang on, Cheryl. I'm I'm just going to point out that there are crazies that are on both of the sides of the political spectrum, and they tend to be the ones that uh, direct the outcomes of the primary elections, which then lead to the candidates that the general public gets to vote in in the general election. Okay, let me ask you a question. Yeah. When the president is making a speech, how many times have Democrats interrupted a speech? When... Joe Biden is giving a speech? Any president, any president is speaking. How many times do you recall a Democrat interrupting him speaking? Oh, you mean like at the State of the Union? Yes. Yeah. No, I don't. Uh, uh, when a, Well, Trump got a little bit of the shenanigans going against him, but um, but no, the, no, the, the one. Well, yeah, no. The, remember the ripping <laughs> up of the paper? The No, but I mean, did they interrupt the speech, though? Well, yeah, they give like, uh, they do that sort of stuff, yeah. 
They don't do. They didn't. They didn't pull a Joe Wilson, right? They didn't say you lie, or they didn't do an MTG. And you know, he went and made uh, made money off of that. You lie. I mean, yeah. What, what are we doing? And then when you get arrested, you you get a mug shot. Yeah. You make t shirts mm-hmm. and and all of that, and you make money off of it. Absolutely. Now, that's what you I gotta call pay. insanity. No, you got to pay for your legal defense, Cheryl. Come on. <laughs> You got to pay for your legal defense somehow. You might as well sell the merch, and you know that the polit- the left went and sold the mug shots too. What did they sell? They sold the mug. They put it on merch as well. They were like, "Yeah, I mean, they celebrated with the fact that he got arrested." They've been waiting for seven years to see the mug shot of Donald Trump. He should be arrested. Well, you can believe that or not, but like that's not here nor there. But you're attacking Trump for selling the merch, but. Not the left for selling the merch. So we're going to be consistent. Yeah, he's, he's got ninety-one charges on. Yeah. Him. So do you think that uh, do you think that the judicial system and law enforcement is uh, is perfect? No, never have been. Right. Okay. Mm-mm. So is it possible? Just possible. I'm not saying you have to believe it, but is it possible? Can you entertain the idea in your mind that maybe there might be some political motivation? behind some, not all, but some of the 91 charges? I, you know, maybe a little, maybe mm-hmm. a little. But let me say this. When Trump, he his businesses, mm-hmm. they were shady. Okay. And that's been proof of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when, you, when you're shady doing business, I can't trust you with anything else. Because so, really, you should be honest. Mm-hmm. You should file your taxes on time. You should mm-hmm. pay your taxes. I've raised my kids like that. You should follow the law. Most people Just do. Like when the police, if the police pull you over, do what he says. Yeah. You know, because there are people, my, my kids will say, why don't they do what the, peop- the cop says and then see what will happen? Mm-hmm. But if the cop pulls you over and automatically you run in your mouth and talking back and disrespecting, it can't go good for you. No. Okay. Yeah, no. I, like I, the, there I, was a lady in Texas who was going to Texas to get a job. I, I can't think of her name. Black lady. And the cop pulled her over, and, and he said, please put out your cigarette, miss. I don't have to pull out my, pull out my cigarette. Uh, I can smoke. It's my car. I'm in my car. Well, you know, some people are allergic to smoke. Mm-hmm. So just put the cigarette out and see what happens and do, you know. What I don't know. Car, they're kind of expensive know. nowadays. Like if she was like, if she had just lit that cigarette, like that thing could, that's like almost a dollar, I think. Right. Yeah, so. <laughs> so like I could see like, can I just finish the smoke first? Like, cause I, I, you know, these things are like a buck. So. Oh, well, good. Well, good. Well, anyway, it didn't turn out so good for her. No, it generally it doesn't. doesn't. Yeah. It usually yeah. does not. Um, and look, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying that the cop is always right. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-mm. No, I didn't get that. But I'm saying that follow instructions. I mean, a cop pulled me over going to Marshville, right? Mm-hmm. I had my kids in the car, and he says, "Ma'am, you realize you're going over a certain limit." Well, the speed limit had changed in Marshville; mm-hmm. it gotten a little lower. I said, "No, I didn't." I said, "I'm very sorry." And we were eating, had boxes of food. I said, "Would you like something to eat?" He said, "No, no." He said, "But just, just." Go ahead on and uh, slow down. Nice. <laughs> so nothing will happen, you know. He said, "Well, just keep driving, but just slow it down so you can get where you're going to get on safely or something." That it sounds. Of it. No, that's a. I have a very similar story. I got pulled over. I had a whole bunch of French fries uh, in between uh-huh. my legs, and I asked, as I asked the uh-huh. cop if he wanted any of the fries, and he said, "No, <laughs> not at all." And then I got a ticket. He didn't want fries between <laughs> your legs. Are you kidding? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I, I am kidding. That didn't happen. Uh, no. But anyway, and another thing, one thing before I go. Please, what is Bill Riley entertaining witches and goblins and ghosts? I, I, I heard a little bit of that conversation. Oh, it's a great I, book. I appreciate, I appreciate you saying I don't open the door for that. No, I don't. No, yeah. Mm-mm. You know, because I'm a Christian, I don't open the door for that. I yeah. don't open the door for witches and bad stories and horror stories. And once you open that door, anything can come in. No, I hear you. No, it's, you I'm the same been, way. I'm not going to hold you, though, but thanks anyway for So listening. do you think, now hang on, Cheryl, you caught part of the story, you or interview with Bill O'Reilly about the witches, that you remembered yeah, that. Mean, you, you, yes. Right, uh, Right, we've been talking about Trump and talking about getting pulled over and all this stuff. So, do, do you uh, do you have a reassessment of the uh, the entertaining or informative uh, the informative nature or the rating of the show today? It's great right now. All right, there you go. That's good enough. I'll take it, Cheryl. You have a great weekend. You too. Bye-bye. All right, bye now. <laughs> um. I will say there is one thing, and there is one thing that uh, when we were talking about the primary vote, uh, the primaries, and how people get through the primaries and stuff. Um, Dennis Prager said this a couple of months ago, and I think he's probably been saying it for years. Uh, and, but this was the first time I heard him say it, where he says, um, "Progressives vote their values, conservatives vote their values, liberals do not vote their values." They will vote for progressives, even though liberals' values are actually closer to conservatives, but they don't want to admit that they're closer to conservatives on a lot of this stuff. They they just don't want to. They're like, Ugh, I don't want to. Uh, don't get any on me. Right. That's. And that's why progressives end up gaining power. And then they go way too far. That's how that happens. They go way too far because they get empowered by liberals so uh no i i enjoy talking to cheryl i appreciate it all right you may have noticed that i've been helping the alzheimer's association of western north carolina for a while and it's a great organization they got awesome people with huge hearts my grandfather died of alzheimer's when i was a kid and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family now things are different today thanks to the work of the alzheimer's association that's why i support them every year we do a series of walks all over the country there are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. Bob, welcome to the show. Hello, Bob. How are you? Hey, Pete. Hey. It took about 82 calls to get through today, but I did get through. Really? On my walk, so I apologize for the winded nature of my voice, although <laughs> it may even sound kind of sexy. I'm oh, my goodness. Wait, are you single too, Bob? Do you, do you want me to put you in contact with Cheryl? Well, Cheryl and I are going to be kind of on different sides of the fence on this. Oh, okay. And I was calling. Sure, she's a lovely woman, and I'd have coffee with her any time in the next, well, not now. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you, you know, we we have accusations on both sides about, you know, our president's character or his business things and 
you know, Fox News tells one story, CNN tells another one, and it's gotten to where AP, Reuters, they're all, you know, quite partisan in much of their quote-unquote reporting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like for my president to have, to have the personality of Anthony Hopkins in The Edge. Did you see that movie, The Edge? Is that the one where he wrestles that bear? Yeah, Anthony Hopkins was like a really, he was, he was so, I, I just loved his, his moral superiority on everything. Just a very stand-up guy. And that's not who Trump is. And we, we don't know how dirty Joe Biden is. I got a pretty good idea. I understand. <laughs> we don't know how dirty Donald Trump is, really and truly, because a lot of what we get is just reported. So I, I vote based on what I can see. Now, a lot of people are turned off by uh, President Trump because he doesn't act presidential. These mm-hmm. are the same people that didn't want a Washington insider. So, so he didn't act like a politician. And then when he didn't act like a politician, they complained that he didn't act like a politician. Mm-hmm. The one thing, there were results. And, and the results were irrefutable. So, yeah, like the massive amounts of spending. So, no, he, look, I said like the massive amounts of spending. The, here's the thing. And I think this is the case with Biden now, not four years ago, but definitely now, but also applicable with Trump, which is for your mushy middle, as Rush would call them, right, the mushy middle people. I think that mm-hmm. the that policy like um, they're, they're mushy middle people, so they're not they're not single issue voters. Right. They're not. They're not motivated by a particular issue at every single election cycle. So I think a lot of times people don't want to be embarrassed by their vote. And I think a lot of people now versus four years ago are embarrassed by Joe Biden because he's kind of embarrassing. In a different way, people were embarrassed by Donald Trump. And so I don't know now now that people have sort of like a, a an evening of the scales right, of embarrassment, if you will. I don't know if that if that prompts some people who were Biden voters or anti-Trump voters. Do they come back? I don't know. I don't know how you win people that were embarrassed by Trump. I don't know how you win them back now in swing states, because that's really what you're talking about, right, is to win back those voters that he got in some of those swing states. So I don't know how you do that. Or maybe you're just counting on enough Biden voters being so embarrassed, they don't want to go vote. And so it suppresses their turnout and you end up winning that way. Yeah. And, and, you know, everyone has the right to vote based on whatever they find important, Mm -hmm. pertinent, and, and that's fine. Uh, But, you know, when it, when it comes to election day, there's, there's only, there's only two possible viable votes. Uh, people can vote for a third party, or I suspect that you'll not be voting for Biden or Trump. Uh, you'll be voting for someone else in the uh, general election, and that's fine. Or no, no, or nobody. I saw, I, or I, the, nobody. Yeah, the last time I left it blank as a protest. So, and I know it doesn't well, yeah. matter, but I'm in North Carolina, so uh, you know I yeah. figured Trump was going to carry the state anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I have that luxury of leaving it blank and not having to to choose the poo sandwich or the poo taco. You know, like I don't have to I don't have to pick one of the uh, one or the other. 
Well, I would just say, you know, look, look at the results. You know, we, everybody has personalities. We may like them. We may not. Mm-hmm. But do you, do you like $4 a gallon gas or do you like $2 a gallon gas? Yeah, do I, don't like, like, I don't like $5 trillion in spending. I don't like that, and I believe that causes inflation, which gives me the gas, among other well, foods. You're, you're going you're gonna to get you're going to get that either way. There is the the the, the deficit spending that is a non-issue. No one cares Not for me. about deficit spending except us crazies. I do right. And, so there, and therein lies the problem for me is that I cannot be convinced that I need to support a a candidate that is going to continue to manage the decline and spend us into oblivion. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going along with that. I'm, like, I just, you can't convince me to lend my support to somebody. Okay, look, we're, you know, we're going to go to the same destination, but we're just going to go at a different speed. Like, no, I don't want to go to the destination, and you can't make me. Well, just remember, perfect is the enemy of good. I don't, he doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, no, he didn't have to be perfect, but... He, but well, but if I'm, but that's my issue. Like that, that is the thing. And and uh, four or yeah, it, well, four years ago, and still is to the second issue is going to be the courts, right? And when he farmed that out to the Federalist Society, I thought, well, that's good. That was the thing that almost because he had no record before then on the spending. So I, I thought, okay, well, I don't know what his record is on that. The courts seem now that's a pretty big deal to me as well and he's going to farm it out but i i didn't know if i could trust him and given the way he behaved i didn't think i could and i obviously i was wrong he he did uh fulfill the promises on the judges but the spending that was beyond anything i imagined rob i got uh, bob i got to run i appreciate the call enjoy the rest of your walk but uh no i was i was not at all happy with the way he signed off on the the profligate spending Oh, yeah, and COVID.